Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. Of course, I wouldn't use my hands. because you are sane. Do you know what madness is or how it strikes? Have you seen the demons that surge through the corridors of the crazed mind? Come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my world. Let me lead you into it. No power on earth can exercise the terror from scum of the earth. Okie dokie, folks. I'm Frank Bonacci and I'm the scum of the earth. I guess for me, it was the double whammy of Quentin Tarantino and Mortal Kombat. The movie, not the video game. I suck at competitive fighting games. I like watching people who know how to play them. Like, you know, moment 37 at Evo. Yeah, but it was those two things. Uh, Mortal Kombat, especially. If you want to hear us talk about Mortal Kombat, check out our draft class, best video game movies. Yeah, we go into it more. And I talk about that a little bit. But those two things, I think, also put martial arts and Hong Kong films and Asian cinema in the spotlight that they hadn't been in decades. There was that post-Bruce Lee boom that had kind of dissipated by the time I was coming of age. I mean, I knew of martial arts films. I I think I'd seen, oh, I definitely had. I'd seen Enter the Dragon when I was younger, but I wasn't really impressed by it. I do. The only reason I did like that movie at the time is because of its inspiring the fistful of yen sequence in the Kentucky Fried movie. Hello, this is Dr. Kron. I'm not home right now. Leave a message when you hear the beep. You have our gratitude which is still one of the funniest things ever. Check it out. Yeah, Robert Klaus Westerner just didn't, for me, it just didn't do anything for me. It wasn't really exciting for me. But if you want to check out a really good Robert Klaus film, Darker Than Amber. Uh, I got to see that at the Alamo and it's actually the film that got him the Enter the Dragon gig. As I've gotten older, I, I appreciate that movie more. Still not one of my favorite things to watch, but eh. But after Mortal Kombat came out, I guess that started reigniting interest in Asian films, mostly Hong Kong films and martial arts films. And of course, those things were still booming in their respective countries. But here, stateside, wasn't really... That started changing after those two things. Like, specifically Tarantino just talking about Hong Kong films and kind of borrowing stuff from them, like the entire bottom third of Reservoir Dogs being from Ringo Lamb City on fire. That's well-trod territory. But in fairness, it's like I would not have heard of Ringo Lamb or that film if not for Tarantino. I, I don't know this for sure. This is just how it is in my head canon. I think because of how well Mortal Kombat had done, I think New Life felt that there was some economic viability in putting out martial arts films. So they put out Jackie Chan's Rumble in the Bronx. To millions of fans around the world, He's a living legend. If you've never seen him before... It's him! Give me that gun! You've never seen action. We got hostages! They're in a hovercraft! Call out the Coast Guard! 
New Line Cinema presents the action hero who does all his own stunts. Jackie Chan. Are you okay? No. Rumble in the Bronx. Now, I had heard of Jackie Chan. I, of course, knew of him from Cannibal Run films. Oh, fun fact. You know why martial arts films, especially Jackie Chan films, and a lot of contemporary martial arts films always end with a, a blooper reel of sort during the end credits? That's because of Cannibal Run, because Jackie had been a part of Cannibal Run, liked that idea, and retrofitted it to his films. Isn't that cool? I remember late one night. I don't know what show it was. I think this was leading up to the release of Rumble in the Bronx. They showed clips of some of Jackie's movies. Movies. They specifically showed a clip from Drunken Master 2, the final fight he has with Ken Lo. It's kind of weird now talking about it because culturally we've been exposed to that stuff for decades at this point. But in 1995, whenever it was, I had never seen anything like that. I didn't know people could move that way. It was mind-blowing. I, of course, had to go see Rumble in the Bronx, which did not disappoint. And it's also one of the funniest movies ever. Uh, notably inspiring Run, Ronnie, Run. Ronnie Dodds, Ronnie Dodds! Hey, uh... Chow Chow, what's up? I'm sad. Oh, why's that? The doctor says I need special shoes for my fat feet so I can be like a normal kid and run and play. In the theater, it was just me and a bunch of other teenagers and we lost our minds. You'd never seen action staged that way. Now, this is like pre-DVD days and pre-internet. I mean, internet was around, but you really couldn't do anything with it except to argue about mystery science theater or whatever fuck people do with that then. Joel's better. Mike's better. Ooh. Yeah, that was a thing. I think that was the first flame war. This started, I think, around this time. You'd go into malls and they always had kiosks and it was always just bootlegs and martial arts films. And that's how I got my fix back then. And I started finding stuff like a Drunken Master too, and of course, the original Drunken Master. The incredible, mind-blowing Once Upon a Time in China series, uh, Yumu Ping series starring Jet Li. Well, then he ducked out in part four and five and then returned for Once Upon a Time in China and the West. Diminishing returns, but I wound up buying all of those. They're all gone now. I wish I kept those. Then I got exposed to stuff like The Killer and Hard Boiled and Better Tomorrow, all the early John Woo films. Again, it was just nothing you'd ever seen like that. I'm just keeping this exclusively to... Uh, I'm not going to bring up Japan because that's a whole other kettle of fish. Eventually, I got to meet Jackie Chan. He had a book signing for his book, I Am Jackie Chan, at a Costco, which was so weird. Me and my friend Bob, uh, we got Costco memberships just to get to meet Jackie. And it was actually the first fan event I had ever gone to. Uh, he's got a really large head, like proportionate to his body. I've never seen a man with that head. Him and Oliver Stone, those are two people I've seen in real life, and they have gigantic heads. That's neither here nor there, though. Funnily enough, there was a guy standing behind Jackie that looked really familiar, but I couldn't put my finger on it. It turns out the man that Jackie fought at the end of Drunken Master 2, Ken Lo, he made him his bodyguard after shooting the film. Isn't that awesome? And Ken Lo was standing right behind Jackie while I was getting an autograph. If I had known that's who it was at the time, I probably would have grabbed an autograph off of him. And I think the thing that made those things so appealing, those films, was like, it didn't feel safe. Like you watch stunts from Hong Kong films from the 90s and 80s. You go, oh, that guy's dead. Go find a YouTube video about Jackie Chan's injuries. It's insane. Like there's a scene in Drunken Master 2 where he walks over hot coals and i'm like well how'd they do that he walked over hot coals and got third degree burns 
like, oh, well, that's one way to do it. <laughs> it's like, well, how do we make it look like somebody's getting kicked in the head? You kick him really fucking hard in the head. Hopefully it reads. <laughs> it's like, that's what they would do. It wasn't just all martial arts stuff. You got some amazing art films like Wong Kar Wai's uh, Chungking Express, another Quentin Tarantino recommendation. And of course, it's uh, follow up Fallen Angels. You just saw just a, an explosion of creativity. I haven't even gotten into Stephen Chow. I could go all day with this shit and kind of dried up. I don't know what happened. Can't go back. Guess we can't go back. Or maybe you can, because from April 21st to the 30th at the Metrograph in New York City, they're going to be having the 10th Old School Kung Fu Fest, Sword Fighting Heroes Edition. This is brought to you by the good folks at Subway Cinema, who are basically just a bunch of Asian film nerds. People after my own heart. This week, I got to talk with Goran Topolovic, one of the founders of Subway Cinema and one of the guys who are curating this festival. And we got to talk about some of the films that are going to be screening there. Of course, the, the real centerpiece of this festival is the work of King Hu. King Hu was a giant in martial arts, or more specifically, wuxia filmmaking. He was brilliant. Composition, lighting, he was leaps and bounds ahead of everybody. The festival is premiering the four-hour doc about the life and work of King Hu. I got a screener of it. Thank you, Emma. It's fantastic. So there you go. But great interview. Hope you enjoy. Goodbye. God bless. I'm still itchy. Thank you so much for coming on, sir. Thank you for having me. <laughs> now, you guys are hosting the 10th Old School Kung Fu Fest Sword Fighting Heroes Edition. Now, you've been at this game for a while because I remember going to the New York Asian Film Fest. I think you guys premiered, I think it was the premiere, at least the North American premiere of uh, Memories of Murder. I don't think we premiered that one. Yeah, we we had a screening, but we, we weren't the one to premiere it at a time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, we've been, we've been doing the New York Asian Film Festival since 2000, 2002. That's when we started it. And then our organization, Subway Cinema, was was kind of running it for about 17 consecutive years. And then we just kind of got too tired. <laughs> and, and there's a New York Asian Film Foundation that has inherited the festival from us. So today, Subway Cinema is like back to its kind of core team of uh, three of the remaining co-founders and we focus primarily on doing uh, smaller retrospective programs and special events as that's more in line with with our current lives yeah <laughs> so, right it's it's tough programming a festival I yeah mean, you're focusing this time on uh classic wuxia films uh taiwanese wuxia films yeah specifically taiwanese right because if you talk about wuxia there's just so much to choose right. from and you know the festival would never end, so we had to pick. <laughs> we, we had to come up with a focus. Yeah, um, and the centerpiece of this for me is the the King Who doc that uh, you guys uh, that is a premiere, I believe. Yes, and, it is the U.S. premiere, correct? Uh, which I got to watch, and it is incredible, right? absolutely incredible documentary. He's a director that doesn't get the amount of attention that like a lot of the filmmakers from that time, like Chang Che, you like is because I think his stuff's more, you know, popcorn entertainment. So King Wu stuff doesn't doesn't really for the general audience of martial arts fans, they usually skip over that. But his stuff's amazing. Yeah, I'm glad you feel that way. And, and just to add to what you said, you know, maybe part of the appeal of Chang Che is that he focuses more on the kind of male archetype of knight errant, right? So right. it's about the brotherhood and and from his standpoint, the focus is more on, well, realistic action for, for as much as, as realism can really be depicted in screen in the context of martial arts choreography, right? Right. Uh, so it was kind of more real in, in the contrast to, 
kind of your traditional old school sword fighting where there's more element of fantasy and, and myth, myth. But it's kind of interesting because if you look at the wuxia literary tradition and wuxia fiction in the 20th century, uh, you have old school, which is really the period of, you know, before the World War II in China. And then you have the new school, which, which started in Hong Kong in the 1950s. And both, both of those literary tradition, old school and new school, have also contributed to the development of the cinematic uh, wuxia genres. So you have your first uh, you know, wuxia film being made in 1920s, and that tended to be a little bit kind of more, more uh, fantasy focused. Then what happens with the new school wuxia? which started with uh, Jin Yong as, as a novelist, right, in the 50s and, and writing these stories in, in a serialized fashion, like A Legend of the Condor Heroes. They've been made then into a lot of movies and they've been made to this day. But that source material is kind of important. But the progenitor of new school cinematic wuxia is actually Bo Chengche and King Hu. Yeah, I mean, real, absolutely. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so, so you have the one-armed swordsman, which was big box office hit in Hong Kong. And then you also have Come Drink With Me, King Hu's Come Drink of Right. Drink with me, right? So, so that was really based on a on a Beijing opera that 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 who remembered, uh, you know, watching as a child. Uh, so, so you have so-called realistic violence that that Cheng Che is focusing on, and then you have the choreography of violence that's influenced by Beijing opera stylistic elements. Well, that's so, where a lot of the martial arts uh, aesthetic comes from is uh, Peking opera and Beijing opera. Right, yeah. right. And, but, but I think one important distinguishing characteristic is that if you look at the, maybe the, some of the Cheng Chen movies and also later Lao Kar Lung right, and all the mm -hmm. Show Brothers stuff, they're based more on the traditional martial arts forms mm. of the Southern Shaolin styles, uh, like Honga, for example, for, for Lao Kar Lung, uh, while all of the action in King Hu's movies primarily comes from, from the Beijing opera tradition. Mm -hmm. So, so not, not so much the actual Southern fighting styles, right? Kind of, you know, you see a lot of the Gordon Liu, like doing the actual forms, you know, and doing right. the, yes. from the styles. <laughs> you don't see any of that in King Hu. So, so, it's, so it's really, you see these kind of set pieces of choreographed action and choreographed environment. Environment is so important in King Hu movies, like being if it's setting in the inn or if it's outdoors, you know, he'll shoot on location, right? He did the bamboo forest uh, in A Touch of Zen, which to this day is still like- Stunning. One of the I mean, of, going mm -hmm. back and watching his films, because I, I watched them probably off some VCDs. So that's a lot of times, that's how you used yes. to get a lot of movies, VCDs. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's really revelatory when you see like the new transfers now, because his films are stunning. Especially, it's funny when you go back and watch martial arts, we, I guess you're from that time too. You grew up and you can only see them in the pan and scan. And yes. uh, they often utilize two, three, five ratios. Mm -hmm. And it's really like, oh my God, it's like an insane, it's a shock seeing how incredible the framing and the blocking of all those films. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and 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 I think I always say that King Hu and Chang Che are kind of complementary. They're they're two sides of the same coin. They're both putting to big screen elements of uh, literary wuxia traditions that existed in China for hundreds of years. Once again, Chang Che is focusing more on on the male archetype of the yeah. knight errant while King Hu is more focused on the female archetype. And they're both refashioning them 
for modern audiences. Right. And especially in when it comes to the female central character in King Who's movies, he, he really defines it for that whole generation. And it, it's it's a definition that that's still being done today that remains with us. Well, one of the films you're showing is uh, The Assassin, which is yes. basically a love letter to the, the King Who style most in a little way. Yes. I, I mean, I, you, you said it perfectly. It is a love letter. It's, it's such a beautiful film. As a fan of like uh, Asian films and of, of Hong Kong films and being an authority, yeah. do you ever think we'll have a golden age from like we ever think we'll have a time like that again where we were just getting just decades worth of bangers? I, I know that politics probably, you know, probably throws a wrench in that, that run of just explosive creativity ever again, I don't think. Yeah. So I would say, first of all, I'm far from being an authority on any of this stuff. Uh, <laughs> and, and the second is it's not something that anyone can predict. Yeah. Right? There are always unique circumstances and conditions that that create these golden ages in national cinemas around the world. Uh, you know, I don't think that we will ever have something that has happened in Hong Kong, right, in the 70s and 80s, uh, or, or something that has happened in like a Korean cinema in the late 90s into 2000s, or something that has happened, let's say, with the, uh, you know, if you look at the Italian genre movies, and especially their, their uh, kind of police... Uh, Poli- and, I can't pull that. Yeah, Polichetti, Polichetti, right? Polichetti, I mean, that's, yeah. that's all, right? And, right? and that kind of energy and, and innovation and, and playfulness uh, it's not something that you can force to happen. You cannot plan for it. Right. Uh, so who knows where that next is going to be. And now a word from our sponsors. Coming soon to theaters. I'm Professor Kansas Bowling. I'm a graduate of the University of Teenage Studies, earning my PhD in The Young Girl. This is a film for all you mothers and fathers and those who wish to be. Parents, beware. Lock up your lock daughters. Up your daughters. Your daughters. <laughs> Cuddly toy. I'm so ashamed to say this, but... Stop to have sex with me. Oh, well. A typical teenage runaway. I love the new radiated like bikini at all. I said if I loved him, he was allowed to fuck my asshole. Angel. You know that isn't what happened. She's fucking dead. We're gonna fucking deal with it, okay? Can we take her to a hospital? No! You should model caged animals. It was it was violent. You learned to like life. You're not the only cuddly toy that was ever enjoyed. We're here to tell you about how hard our lives are. Being teenage girls. Cuddly Toys. Getting cancelled at a theater near you. I swear this city gets crazier and crazier every day. Hey, listen. Oh, jeez, we got a live one. Hey, buddy. The English nobleman in my teeth told me something. Hey, if you go to wnuf.bigcartel.com, you get the out there Halloween mega tape and other products. I bet you didn't know that. Did you know that the dust balls in my living room, they're there on purpose. Did you know that? Um, do you, do you want like a dollar or something? Did you just throw a cat at me? <laughs> oh my God, are you okay? I saw everything. Yeah, I think so. I'll tell you one thing though. 
I'm not gonna rest until I find out more about how to purchase the out there Halloween mega tape and other products from WNUF.BigCartel.com. I can tell you that much. Yes, I too would like to learn more about how to purchase the out there Halloween mega tape and other products from WNUF.BigCartel.com. One of the movies you're going to have, and I, I have to come out for this because I, I've never found a good copy of this movie. I've never, okay. it's Legend of the Sacred Stone, uh, which <laughs> I have, right. yeah, I've never seen a good copy. I've always, again, that is another movie I probably got on VCD and you can never get anything with a proper translation. And apparently that was never released, cut upon release. I'm not sure about the details, but I don't think it was ever released uh, stateside. Uh, you know, as far as the lineup that we have, right? You know, a lot of the King Who stuff is accessible and it's out on home video. So it's, you know, it's, it's easy to find and, you know, the assassin and, but a lot of the, I would say half of the movies in our lineup aren't accessible and they're not available in any uh, home video formats in, you know, in the US or the UK, and they're not available in any streaming services. So I, I think that's really the pleasure of being able to have a festival like this to give an opportunity to people to see these movies on big screen, which otherwise they would never have a chance to see at all. Yeah, if I could steer my audience to like at least one, you got to check out the King Who doc. It's a fantastic or Legend of Sacred Stone, because that even in its in the awful low res version I saw, I was like, yeah. this is incredible. It's just it, like it's, it's it's not like you see a lot of those. <laughs> uh, which you do not. It is a puppet uh, wuxia film and it's beautifully done and like really spectacularly done. So, yeah, it's an art form. It's it an art form. really is. Absolutely. I said you're an authority, but you're clearly a person who has a big passion for Asian film. Like what was the films that got you into this love of uh, Asian cinema? Like for, for many of us, it really started with the Hong Kong action martial arts. Yeah. Uh, so it was really Bruce Lee and the early, you know, Jackie Chan, Sam Hong Yun Biao movies, uh, even like Aces Go, Go Places, right? <laughs> Mad Mission movies. Um, yeah, and, for me, it's definitely uh, Jackie Chan. Also Stephen Chow. Chow. Yeah, yeah Stephen I would love. Uh, yeah. He's finally coming out with, uh, apparently he's finally doing Kung Fu Hustle too. Uh, I really, yes, I'm finally excited for that because it's been too long. Every time he gets it back, he might be, he's in my top three, just all-time directors. He's brilliant, I think, Stephen Chow. So one of our dreams is to have a Stephen Chow retrospective, but <laughs> I don't know if that's, how easy that's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, his earliest stuff, his pre-Shaolin soccer stuff, like God of Cookery is one of my, like I could watch that anytime. It's just one of my movies I put on to relax. Like I could watch God of Cookery again. Yeah. Uh, some, some of my favorites of his are uh, The King of Beggars. King of Beggars is good too. And also uh, Love on Delivery. Wow. That, I've, I've only seen that a long, Long time ago, like yeah, it was, yeah. So it's it's just so zany and, yeah. and over the top, and yeah, so. his comedic sensibility. I know it's it's part of a, a traditional Cantonese. Chinese Cantonese uh, yeah. comedy yeah. style, but I've never. There's no other director that executes his gags like him, yeah. like on the planet. I've never seen anybody like it. And and I mean, we can we can still enjoy it, even even though we miss a lot of the wordplay and nuances right. in the Cantonese, right? But but it's it's still so so rich and it works at so many at so many levels. Good joke rhythm. Good joke yeah. rhythm is universal. Like you can, yeah. even if you don't understand the full flavor of it, you still see like uh -huh. this is expertly done. Oh, I have a I have a request. If oh. you could somehow set up a screening of future cops, I would <laughs> love to see that on the big yes. screen. 
Yes, I love I love future cops. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I think Wong Jing is also does you know he needs to have a retrospective. I mean, gee, that guy's got a I, first of all a huge catalog, and it's very yeah. varied, incredibly varied stuff. Incredible, incredible filmography. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, it's really great. Um, best, I still say it's the best Street Fighter movie ever made. Uh, it's like yeah. they, they, it really is. And there was that that sequence in uh, Jackie Chan's uh, City Hunter. City Hunter, City Hunter. Yes. Yeah. Where they when he, he does... was like a Chan Li and turning into these characters. Mm -hmm. So that, that was also fun. Yeah, that was great. We're so short on time, but I could do this all day. <laughs> I could just geek out about this kind of stuff all day. <laughs> totally, totally. But th thank you so much. Good luck with the festival. You might see me there for Legend of the Sacred Stones. I have to. I have to see that like properly. Finally, it's been too long. Great. <laughs> so thank I'm you excited. so much, sir, and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you, thank you, Frank. It was a pleasure talking to you.